Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic, cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, share it with a friend. This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. If you've not yet given us a five-star rating and review and a positive review, I mean, what have you been doing? Please do so. <laughs> Please pause this recording and do that now. My name is Kirk Haberman, and I'm a church musician. And this is my brother, Chris, a priest. Hey, Chris, how are you? Kirk, I'm great. I'm great. I've had a good week here. Uh, it's kind of, you know, getting back to things in January. We've had some time off of school, and we traveled, of course, over that Christmas break. And we're back. We were excited to... To hit the slopes, because while we were gone, our ski area here in town, 15 minutes from our home, opened, um, but we've had some wind chill issues at the ski area. Oh, geez. So it wasn't open. Uh, that, was, that sounded very, very Fargo-ish. Yes. Oh, geez, Wade. <laughs> um, what you watching, golfers? Golfers. Monday night, uh, Meg worked, so we couldn't go then. That would have been the perfect night to go. Um, but then Tuesday night and Wednesday night, it was just closed due to just just um, the temperature dropped and the wind picked up. And, like, what are we uh, talking? What were temps? What were wind chills? Um, so let's. I want to say Tuesday night it was like ten degrees, but there was like twenty five mile an hour winds. Mm -hmm. Um, and then last night it was like zero degrees, and 20 mile an hour winds and then tonight it's going to be like 15 degrees and 20 mile an hour winds so we're going to go saturday um we were hoping to avoid the crowds but uh, we'll just have to embrace see here in in flyover country um there are crowds um and so it makes us even more averse uh, <laughs> to the to the crowds so uh, it's like ah oh, saturday it's gonna be so busy we're gonna have to wait like two minutes to get on the chairlift we'll have to deal with it yeah. Um, we finally had our first snow, you know, since Thanksgiving here last night, I shoveled my driveway for the first time this year, nice. which that's kind of like the, the pattern I, I think in, in Pittsburgh is we don't really get snow until after New Year's. Okay. Um, we, um, we can dream of a white Christmas all we really want, but it doesn't, winter doesn't really settle in until later. So so we actually have winter temperatures and winter wind and winter roads. And uh, I got white out on the lawn right now, which is lovely for my Minnesotan heart to see. Well, um, we have winter temperatures, Kirk, but we do not have snow. We can go skiing because they yeah. can make snow. Yeah. Um, so we are, we're waiting for, for, uh, we're waiting for that white uh, January. I'll tell you what, I had a, I had a Minnesota childhood moment last night. Uh, Thursdays in the Haber house are Daphne skating night. 
mm. as you know, the rink is really close to us. So it's great. Um, and, uh, um, that's when the snow started coming down last night was around five and coming out of the rink, um, with Daphne afterwards, she had just been skating. We were skating now indoors. So that wasn't completely Minnesotan, you know, it wasn't like on the pond or something, but coming out, uh, it, we, it was, we, it was like walking out into a snow globe mm. and I was like, ah, we've just been skating and now we're, now we're heading out into snow. So it was pretty. I'm glad. I'm glad that winter's here. The world is brighter. The world is cleaner. And we got some uh, some great um, kind of winter lessons um, that yes. we, uh, we're going to look at here today, Christopher. So our time is limited. So should we dive in? Let's do it. Um, our gospel lesson for today, Christopher, are you going to read it? I'll read it. Okay, go ahead. Uh, we're actually going to look at uh, today, we're going to look at the readings for the Epiphany. Um, so uh, it doesn't match Sunday's readings, which um, Epiphany is January 6th, which lands on a Thursday this year. And so Sunday, January 9th, uh, if you are in a uh, church that uses the lectionary, you probably will get the baptism of Christ, which is the Sunday after Epiphany. But we are going to um, focus, uh, we're going to read um, the Epiphany gospel text, but then we'll discuss both the Epiphany and the baptism of, of Christ. So this week's gospel text is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king... They went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The gospel, I'm sorry, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Oh man, you threw me off. I was about to about ready to give you a praise be to you, Lord <laughs> Christ. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Um so Christopher, you are your parish is doing a a, a, a bold and interesting thing. I'm in trying to balance all a the Sunday liturgical things. innovation, yes. Yeah. So you are uh, your parish is observing translating the epiphany to this coming Sunday. Forward, um, yes. Which I, I think that is that is something that is done. I mean, every parish has to kind of figure out this conundrum. Do you a? And I think this is probably most common. Um, simply do the Epiphany lessons on Christmas too, which would have been last Sunday, right? So would that have been January second this year? Um, and I know in uh, I have this I have this in good authority from a very faithful Roman Catholic friend of mine that that is. That is quite common. That is that is simply the practice in Roman Catholic land. Um, and so the, the Christmas two lesson, which for us this year was the presentation of our Lord in the temple, um, is instead, uh, is I was going to say cast aside, but that's not right. Um, instead, Roman Catholics opt for the Epiphany lesson, um, which is a balancing act because Epiphany then comes on the 6th. Um, so then you're not observing Epiphany on the 6th? Well, it's hard. Because how many people are you going to get on this major feast day on, you know, a Thursday? It, it rarely falls on a Sunday. Um, and then coming up is another um, feast day uh, that, we, that we think is important to observe, observe um, which is the first Sunday after Epiphany is always the baptism of our Lord. And that is important to Mark as well. So there are hard choices all around. So I like, I like what you're doing. It's bold. Um, observing both Christmas too and then Epiphany. Bold move, uh, Cotton. Bold move. <laughs> Let's see how it works out for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were going to have an epiphany service, and uh, we we didn't in our parish. Um, right now, uh, Omicron is rippling through our parish clergy. Um, so I think I think it was prudent. We we did cancel our epiphany service um, this Thursday. So we did have we did have a little Haberman um, epiphany even song in our living room in the Haber Chapel. So I don't, I know we want to keep this short and we can talk about that later, but um, you wanted me to kind of take the lead today, Christopher, and, and talk about this. Um, this is, so I, I mean, the way I'll approach this is as a layman and I'm, I'm different than you. I haven't, don't have the textual training that you have. So um, this is a lovely text and it's a familiar text. And we often think of it as a Christmas text, but I ultimately mm. think Christopher, it's, it's even though it comes sequentially short on the heels of Christmas for us as believers, as we kind of walk through the Christian year, I think it's important for us to disambiguate it um, because something different is happening, right? On Christmas, we mark the nativity of our Lord or the incarnation, right? And we, we talked about this, right? That um, the infinite would become finite, um, that God... Um, would become a, a vulnerable um, baby, right? And that's for us. Um, and, and, and we see there the beginning of God's intervention on behalf of sinners um, out of love that he will, he will keep the law that we couldn't keep. He will, his circumcision is the true circumcision. His keeping of the law is the true keeping of the law. His atoning sacrifice is the true final and atoning sacrifice. So God, um, becomes becomes man um, but epiphany is something different even though we do have a young jesus it's something different right we have the revealing to the gentiles mm. and for most christians 
that's you and me. Um, in the early church, a lot of the early church was of Jewish descent, but we are not, right? We are grubby, filthy Gentiles, right? We are Goya, or what is it, Goyish? Like, I, I, I don't know, what is Goyim? What's the uh, what's the, the Jewish Goya, slang word? <laughs> I think Goya is is the brand of canned like that's right. It's beans. that too. Yeah. It's that too. <laughs> Isn't it like Goy? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Like Yiddish slang. It's something like that. Something yeah. like that, right? Well, that's us, right? We're going. We're yeah. that's us. So the epiphany. Um, it's easy to lose it in like the um, the 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 crash images of like wise men gathered around the the, the crash. What that is for, uh, that is the revealing of the incarnate God to beyond Judah, right? So we have Joseph, Mary, the shepherds, in these early scenes, we have God's chosen people, right? The Hebrews, uh, uh, the, the, the sons of Jacob. Um, and even early on here, we have this calling, the star um, and we have wise men in the east, and we don't know kind of where they are. I've I've heard a really compelling argument um, by a theologian that they're from Arabia, and you'll see in some hymnody and in some um, poetry that 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 word will be thrown around, right? Um, and I've also seen um, that it, that there would have been Mesopotamia or or Persia, and you'll see that in poetry. And that, that's thrown around. And I, I don't know how important that is. Um, the more important thing is these were these would have been scholars, and there there wouldn't have been a hard and fast divide between astrology and astronomy, right? So these are these are philosophers, right? And um, people have long sought answers in the skies. We we might smirk at that or smile at that, um, but but um, the, the writer Saint Matthew does not, and well, he, the, and the early readers of this would not have smirked at these people. These would have been legitimate. Um, sages, right? Philosophers, scholars, right? University professors. Yeah. And something about what they see, and this too, I think, is a gap, a divide between us and them, caused them <laughs> to leave <laughs> and presumably, um, you know, get on a camel or whatever, right? We, that's, that's the popular image, right? And they would have been traveling over arid regions. There would have been established highways, so it's not like they would have been in the wilderness, but like it would have been long and arduous. Um, I've heard some people estimate like anywhere between 600 and 1,000 miles, which that's- On um, a camel. <laughs> yeah. Between you and me, Christopher, um, it's, it's a thousand mile drive when you and I drive to see the other. And we can do that in a long day, right? You know, like 5 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. or whatever, depending upon, you know, time zones in which way. Uh, we're driving, but that's at 70 miles an hour, you know? Um, so this would have been a real commitment. Why? Why? Well, um, St. Matthew has, has some thoughts, right? He, uh, we, we do get an explanation. Um, wise men from the East came to Jerusalem saying, <laughs> so how did they divine this from a star? They did, right? Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star when it arose and have come to worship him. Um, so that's interesting. Why, why would the king of the Jews, again, I don't have an answer to this. This is just fascinating. And, and, and obviously it was, they, they found it sufficient grounds to just up and leave. And so what this means is that God gives this, this, this radiant call in the skies for anyone who has eyes 
that something new has come, not, uh, not, just, not just to his people, but to all peoples, right? As, as we'll see, you know, in the Song of Simeon, as we saw last week, right? A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Um, and so I just think that's wonderful. And I think we as Gentile Christians should celebrate the heck out of Epiphany and be grateful to God um, that, that, that he has grafted us in. We see, um, I mean, if you want to see the theological exposition of this, you see St. Paul at the heart of the book of Romans um, really delves deeply into kind of how the Gentiles are grafted into the initial tree of the house of Judah. And so this is a, this is a wonderful thing. Um, through the rest of this passage, Christopher, we get drama, right? Um, we get Herod, of course, and Herod is a liar, and um, he recognizes a threat to the Hasmonean dynasty, which never was on good ground, not being actually of the Davidic line, and everyone kind of knows it, right? Um, and so, so he does the so thing. So the where insecurity he... is is <laughs> well founded. Yeah, yeah, and so he like he bring, he gets the scholars together, and he's like, oh, okay, so where's this um, prophesied king going to be? And um, his scholars know, right? Um, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Um, and Christopher, what's that from? I'm sorry Wait, to put I, you on I, the spot. <laughs> my, my, I was Isn't just that taking a note, and I did not hear what you just said. Oh, um, sorry to derail the conversation. That that prophecy. What's that from? Which prophecy? Oh, um, please answer your own question. I, isn't it from Micah? I I'm was, not with you. Okay, you're not with me. I, I I missed the question. I don't know what prophecy you're talking about. Please answer your own question. Okay, my attention was diverted. I'm I'm sorry. Go, boy. This is this is great. Let's, you and let's I have not no idea what the other is talking it back about. To you. I'm going to hand it back to you. Continue. Okay, so bottom line is his uh, Herod scholars know, right? The, the good Hebrew scholars know exactly where this is actually going to be, right? They know it's going to be in Bethlehem um, because it's been written there um, by prophets of old, okay? So Herod like has this little secret meeting, right? <laughs> and uh, and he, he tells them, like, like the Grinch, right? He tells them, tells them a lie, right? Like, like the Grinch says to little Cindy Lou Who, right? Um, he says... Oh, I am so fascinated. Go, go and search for the child um, because I want to worship him too. Um, and, um, and, and then come and tell me. And so they go and, uh, and they find. It's so interesting. What does this mean, Christopher? I don't know. We'll know. When we're, we're someday in the eschaton in heaven, I want to go to the wise men booth and ask them like, so what does it mean? What did it mean when the star was over it rested over the place where the child was. What does that mean? But evidently they knew where to go. And so I, I, I just trust that that is so. Um, and uh, they, 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 they gave him these wonderful gifts, Christopher. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And uh, I know you have things you probably want to talk about, but, but these are deeply prophetic gifts, right? Mm -hmm. Gold fit for a king, right? Frankincense. Has, um, has has religious significance. It has priestly significance. It was it was um, 
both burned in, in temple worship and also actually in pagan worship. Um, Arabia was, was enormously rich in the ancient world because of the frankincense trade. And actually at the collapse of the Roman Empire and the collapse of kind of pagan temple worship in the Roman Empire, um, the Arab economy goes into deep collapse <laughs> and kind of it goes into a 1500 year doldrum until oil's discovered at the beginning of the 20th century. Um, so there's kind of a, like, a, like a big sleepy gap between the frankincense trade and the oil trade in Arabia. Um, but it, but it, it, it has um, religious priestly connotations. And then myrrh, myrrh is, is, that is deeply prophetic as well because that is what Jesus will be packed in later. Um, it is an embalming spice. And it's interesting in our own um, worship as Christians, we, we, yes, we burn frankincense, but we also burn myrrh. And sometimes those two are mixed together. And the symbolism, if you ever smell frankincense and myrrh um, as incense together, frankincense has like, um, like a sweet soapy smell. I don't like, like it smells good, but like it's more soapy. And then myrrh has a little more, little bitter, more pungent um, tang to it. Um, but if that, if, if you ever smell those smells mingled together in church, um, that is both honoring and celebrating Christ's priestly office and his resurrection, um, Good Friday and Easter. So um, that's lovely. Um, and then we have, they're warned in a dream and they depart by another country. And then what Herod does, of course, is a story for another day for Holy Innocence. But um, so- Which I we skipped my, over. We didn't yeah. talk about Holy Innocence, but yeah. <laughs> my bottom so line in, is- In almost a year, we'll talk us. about Holy Innocence. Yes, we should do that next <laughs> My bottom line is Epiphany is for us, the Gentiles, and it is good news mm. for Gentile sinners because it means Christ isn't just for the house of Judah, but for Jew and Gentile alike. Yeah. Kirk, I, I think you, you mentioned this early on of, of these, these wise men from the East kind of gazing into the sky, these scholars studying. And Kirk, the, the, the image I get, uh, it's, it's not quite a totally apt analogy, but uh, I get kind of this Field of Dreams vibe of, <laughs> I, I wonder, yeah, so yeah. Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner starts like mowing down his cornfield, <laughs> right. and people are like, what is what he are you doing? doing? He's like tearing down his crops to build a baseball field in the country <laughs> um, because he hears this voice. Like the, I had imagined there are people who thought they were crazy, right. like mounting up to travel miles away following a star and bringing gifts for a king. How wild is that? And there must <laughs> right. be people who are like, I don't understand this. Um, and, uh, and so I think we can emphasize their striking out in faith. And that's been uh, a bit of a theme lately, um, this idea of, of faith. We talk about the faith of Mary um, at the Annunciation. We talk about the faith of Simeon seeing this child and being comforted knowing about um, the consolation of Israel. And I think the faith of these wise men who traveled uh more in mountain um field and fountain more in mountain following yonder star um or uh as with gladness men of old did mm. thy guiding star behold yes. and with as with joy they hailed its light leading onward beaming bright and then that, that hymn um the, the the final line of the first stanza is so most gracious lord may we evermore be led to thee yes and it's interesting as we are in this 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 new part of the church here, and I, and I don't mean just like epiphany. I mean like the first kind of half of the church year where we walk with Jesus from the incarnation through the epiphany, through the days in the wilderness, through Lent, um, 
to Easter, uh, to, 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 to Holy Week, Good Friday, Easter, uh, Easter 50 days, um, Ascension. Like we walk with Jesus. And then that's followed, of course, by um, what we call ordinary time, which is kind of a different part. But like through this year, uh, this time of the year, as we walk with Jesus, my hope for each of us is that we would evermore be led to thee. Um, and when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's not just saying, um, hey, Christians, uh, I want you to feel really good because you're all right and everyone's wrong. And if you want to get to heaven, like, um, believe in me so that you can go to heaven one day. Um, like this idea of, of being a way is, is like a road. Um, like the, we're called to follow Jesus on this path. Um, and it, the term we use for this is discipleship. Um, and th through this season, um, as we kind of walk with Jesus, the hope is that we draw nearer to him. And so the emphasis, as, as we admire these men of old, um, who thy guiding star did behold, as they traveled over field and fountain, moor and mountain, um, it's admirable. Um, but it's less about them and their effort going over the miles and miles and miles and more about the, the God um, who became incarnate. It's about Jesus who did for us what we could never do for ourselves. Um, and so worshiping and, and uh, him who called us out of darkness and into his glorious light. Um, it's more about that than about um, how amazing, as amazing as it is, that these men traveled all these miles. Um, it's, it's, of course, appropriate for us to, to kind of do a little bit of myth busting. Um, uh, it's interesting, this, the hymn, Kirk, We Three Kings. Right. Um, we don't know that there were three of them. Right. And we don't know that there were kings. <laughs> there were yeah. wise men from the East who were bearing three gifts. So um, over time, I think the sixth century is the first time we have uh, a mention of, of um, eventually the, the idea of there being three wise men. Yeah. Um, uh, we eventually gave them the names. <laughs> yeah. Gaspar, Mel uh, Gaspar Melchior, and is Belshazzar. Belshazzar. Yeah. Belshazzar. Yeah. Um, and, but, but the first attestation of those names is sixth century. We have nothing before. Yeah. That. There's this tradition so, that builds up that their relics arrive at all places <laughs> in Cologne yeah. cathedral in like Cologne, Germany, which like, man, that was some, 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 some dogged, uh, determined Saxon <laughs> in like the early right. middle ages. It was like, right. This is where well, how we're going to found our, our new church. Yeah, but, it is possible that they were three kings, Kirk. It is possible, mm -hmm. but there's there's no evidence that there were kings or that there were three of them. That's based on yeah. the idea of there being three gifts. Though, so, though it's likely yeah. that they were of noble of noble yes. caste. Sure. Yes. Yes. So they're clearly wealthy and they're clearly educated. Those you know those things um, might mean royalty. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, but the number yeah. three is important because of the gifts, right? Right. Yes. So it's actually we three gifts, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and and Kirk, I, I guess we can sort of transition. Um, I I, I want to mention that it's interesting. So we talk, Kirk, about east and west a lot, assuming that people maybe know what that means, but it's possible they don't. Um, so just just a brief bit of context. Uh, there was one church in the world until 1054. Um, so 1054 is called the Great Schism. 
Um, and that is what separated um, the single church, the small C, <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, the uh, small C Catholic church, like this is like the Catholic church is meant like the one universal church. There was one church, East, uh, like one church, period. Um, mm -hmm. There were heresies that popped up and heresies like Arianism and other Gnostic heresies that, that had to be um, quelled and quashed. And, and um, the, the way that those um, were is that there, there were these um, uh, councils. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ecumenical councils we, is what we call them, um, where the whole church gathered. To discuss these things and and um, determined orthodoxy, but there was still just one church uh, up until um, the Great Schism when East and West separated, and that's when we ended up with the Eastern Orthodox Church in the East and the the, the Roman Catholic Church in the West. And in fact, the Eastern Orthodox Church was larger than the Roman Catholic Church um, at the time of, of the Great Schism. But um, because we are Americans, um, many of us come out of um, the, the Western tradition. So either the Roman Catholic tradition or one of the Reformation traditions, whether it be um, Reformed, Lutheran, Anglican, Anabaptist, um, that's that's but our heritage. Nonetheless, that's still, we are still of Western heritage. Of the Western, like, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I bring this up um, just to simply to say, when I say in the East, uh, I want it to be understood, in the East, Kirk, um, when in the West, when we talk about the Epiphany, we're talking about the visit of the Magi. In the East, when they talk about the Epiphany, they are in fact talking about the baptism of Christ. That that manifestation of Christ's deity is what they talk about when they refer to um, the the Epiphany. So it's, it's interesting how there are two separate things in the East and the West. Is that that's kind of um, as um, ep Epiphany as like the Church developed since. The Great Schism. Uh, they're, they're kind of two separate traditions that, that arose. That in the ancient church, when there was one unified church, um, the Epiphany was one of the three great feasts in the church year. That in fact, the Epiphany was more important than Christmas. It was more important um, that in the ancient church, the three great feasts were the Epiphany, Easter, and Pentecost. Um, and uh, and so, Kirk, we we talked before we you hit record about. Um, how in the East, in fact, uh, the incarnation is kind of wrapped up into the epiphany, like um, of that celebration. But um, it is the baptism of Jesus in the East, in fact, that uh, they see as the epiphany. Um, and so, Kirk, shall we talk about the baptism of our Lord? Absolutely. Okay, should we read the gospel text or should we just discuss it since we have 15 minutes? Um, it's very short. I think it's probably a two-minute read. It's worth reading. Do you want to read it or shall I? I'd be happy to read it. Please. Um, the baptism of our Lord this year comes from the gospel of Luke, chapter 3, starting in the 15th verse. 
as the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod, the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Christopher, um, Martin Luther um, often liked to call the baptism of our Lord um, the true Dreikönigsfest. <laughs> um, in German, mm. uh, Epiphany is, is, is called the, the Three Kings Feast instead of Epiphany, which I think Epiphany is a better word. It means revealing, right? The unveiling yeah. of God to, to the Gentiles. It, but Yeah, it's a revealing of something that was already there, but is right. being revealed. Yeah. Yeah. So in German, though, that, that that's kind of lost, and it's just the Three Kings three kings Feast, Drei, Drei Königsfest. And he yeah. would like to say that the bab, at the baptism, we have the true Three Kings Feast. Um, this is a fully Trinitarian passage, is it not? Mm, yes. Yes. Yeah, we've got Jesus, the son, who's being baptized, and the heavens are opened. We have the Holy Spirit descending on him in, in, in affirmation, um, in, in kind of this, this miraculous appearing, right, like a dove. And then we have the voice, the voice, is, voice of the Father, um, with, with great pleasure, um, saying, you, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. So I can see, certainly, Christopher, why, um, why the Eastern Church would call this an epiphany. Certainly, this is not, is this not a revealing, a revealing of the true nature of our triune God? Yeah. And, so, and, I, and I love it. And, and Kirk, one thing that's really powerful to me about this passage um, and, and about just uh, the baptism of Christ is what Jesus is doing, Jesus, who was um, born as a man, um, did not have any need for a baptism of repentance. Mm -hmm. But in being baptized, like he is not only taking on flesh, um, but he is taking our place like we need repentance. He doesn't. And yet he submits to this thing, which he does not need for our sake. It's, it's this great exchange, right? Mm -hmm. um, and in this great exchange, uh, it's... Um, we are gifted um, Christ's pure righteousness, his dazzling righteousness, and our sin is um, is is um, not gifted but given to Jesus. He takes that and it gives us in exchange um, his pure righteousness, and that's that's the gospel. And we see that um, like kind of acted out here in Jesus obediently taking on this baptism of repentance, which he didn't need, which we need, and. When we think about the, the sacrificial system um, that's entirely 
based on um, ritual purity is that you would go through these ablutions, you'd go through these sacrifices, all these things to become ritually pure. And for instance, when we read the story of the Good Samaritan, one of the reasons that the priest um, did not go to help this bloodied mess of a man is he probably would have become ritually unclean. It would be really inconvenient right. for him to deal with this bloody man and then have to go back and do these ritualistic things to become ritually clean. So um, this is why uh, lepers were placed at the uh, outside of, of, of a village because you d- could not come in contact with them. And yet Jesus, when he comes in contact with the ritually unclean, he does not become dirty, but he in fact cleanses the leper. He in fact cleanses the woman who has a flow of blood. He in fact cleanses everything. And so when he comes in contact with the waters of baptism, he, instead of um, him becoming, uh, it's not that he needs to be cleaned. He cleans the water. Oh my gosh. That is such, you probably made this point before. And I just, because I'm aging, I've just forgotten it. That is such a profound point. Mm. Oh. Isn't that powerful? Yes. And it's true, right? Um, we, we are, we are as humans changed by everything. We are shaped and formed by events in our lives. Um, but Jesus, um, instead shapes and heals and perfects the events and objects in his, right? So how, how could baptism be the same ever Mm. again, once Mm. he had been baptized? Oh my gosh, that is that is great, Christopher. Because I think I think a lot of other laymen um, on this Sunday know have the sense that this is this is a holy, profound thing. I mean, it obviously is, right? Rarely do we get the voice of heaven opening hmm. up. Rarely do we get the physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Just a couple of times, right? And this is one of them. But yet, I think if we were asked to exp- like put on the spot, um, all right, why did Jesus have to be baptized? Um, we would kind of stammer and maybe maybe say something unsatisfactory, but I think you're I think you're onto something. That is remarkable. Um, are are there any other um, any other well, reasons I'll say, I'll say why what, he would be baptized? Oh well, I'll just say one more thing. Um, okay. I mean this this mutual love um, within the Trinity. Yes. You are my beloved Son. With you, I I am well pleased. Um, that voice that Jesus heard. Um, before he'd even really done anything in his ministry of God's pleasure in him. Um, friends, you can hear that vo- same line delivered to you in this great exchange. Mm. And as Jesus takes on uh, for us this baptism, which he does not need, um, and he receives this, this, uh, this message that he is beloved and well, and with you, um, he is well pleased. Uh, in this great exchange, as we are gifted the righteousness, we are also gifted this pleasure of God, that we are beloved, um, that Jesus died for us. And with, with us, like God doesn't see our, our, our flaws and our failures. When we have um, confessed our sin and God is separated from us as far as the East is from the West, God looks at us and he sees not our, our former sins, but he sees Christ's pure and perfect righteousness it, you know kirk we've talked again and again about um the martyrs um or the witnesses in yeah the, in in revelation um why are the robes white they are white because they have been washed in the blood right. of sir or sh- what's the line you know sir you know or like sir you know, you know. Been, yeah yeah it's beautiful they've been that, that and that would be 
us one day, um, pure as white, um, washed with our robes washed in the blood of the Lamb. Yeah. Um, I like I find it interesting where our lectionary chooses to begin this passage that it begins at verse 15 um and we get john giving this kind of adventy fiery exhortation right um i uh i baptize you with water but he who is mightier than i is coming the strap of whose sandals i am not worthy to untie he will baptize you with the holy spirit and fire his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire, right? That that we often get in um, in Advent. Yes, uh, and, and we did, we yeah. did, um, yeah. Yeah, so um, here we get to see, instead of a bleeding chunk, how quickly after that prophecy comes the baptism of our Lord, right? And so we, we, get, we get some interesting context. We also get a little politics, right? We get the explanation of Herod, who uh, evidently we read in verse 18 and 19 has been chided by John <laughs> the Baptist um, for taking his brother's wife. And of um, course, this is not the Herod that we got in Matthew 2. This is his son, the Tetrarch. Right. Different Herod. Yeah, yeah multiple Herods today. Yeah. Um, but uh, bo both behaving badly, it seems. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, do you have any other any other thoughts on on this this um, really remarkable act of Christ for us, this baptism? I do not. Shall we end in prayer? Let's. Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. Eternal Father, at the baptism of Jesus, you revealed him to be your son, and your Holy Spirit descend upon him like a dove. Grant that we who are born again by water and the Spirit may be faithful as your adopted children. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. O God, by the leading of a star, you manifested your only Son to the peoples of the earth. Lead us, who know you now by faith, to your presence where we may see your glory face to face through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, Kirk. Next week. From Persian lands apart To Jordan follow the pointing star And this the quest of the travelers
Kreppe der Bände. 